What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. I'm your host, Will Ferrero. On today's episode, we have Matt Patterson. Matt is a wholesale insurance broker at CRC Group, and insurance isn't always the most fun thing to you know do on the weekend, update your policy, but it's certainly something that you're always going to need, uh, whether it's you know homeowners insurance or car insurance or in the instances that we talk about when you're going to open your own business or open your own law firm, you know, Matt gives us a nice overview of, you know, what you should be on the lookout for when you're seeking that insurance policy. What's going on, buddy? What's up, man? How are you? Good How to you see you. Tonight? We got a, I'm good. We got a new, a new format we're trying out here. I used to do them on zoom. Now we're going to have a, a nice little background, maybe make the, uh, the YouTube videos look a little bit more, a little bit more fancy. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Cool. Happy to be the guinea pig. So you know, we we were talking a little bit a couple of weeks ago about you know what you do and um, you know how how you could provide some good information to, to people who are who are some listeners um, about the insurance industry. So just to get started, can you just introduce yourself? Tell me a little bit about uh, where you're working and what you do there. Sure. Yeah. My name is Matt Patterson. I'm the vice president of professional management cyber liability at the uh, Jenkintown office of CRC Group. CRC is uh, actually after 2022, we are the nation's largest uh, specialty wholesale broker for commercial insurance in the country. Um, we are now number one. So that's pretty cool. Um, and what we do is we are a wholesale brokerage for commercial insurance mainly. Um, there is people that do personal lines insurance too, but that's much uh, smaller part of what we do. 99% um, of what we do is commercial insurance. Um, and we work in between insurance agents, uh, customer facing people, consumer facing people, um, such as you know your law firm, you go to an insurance mm -hmm. agent to find your insurance. Um, our customer is actually that insurance agent. So when okay. they can't find specific coverages or maybe they don't have the right appointments um, or contacts at certain underwriting shops they will come to somebody like me um, I have a I'm basically a gatekeeper to a much broader scope of uh, insurance markets and they send me the submission I go out and talk to my underwriters negotiate a, a quote for them and then bring it back to my client and then advise them on the benefits uh, maybe some some exclusions or some issues that might be with on the quote and and coach a lot of people on coverages and um, how to how to sell some of the, the policies that we offer. Okay, so you know there's there's a a bunch of different types of uh, you know ways you can work in insurance, right? So you you mentioned there's like the broker, oh, yeah. or the wholesaler. What what are the other what are the other? And then there's actually like the insurance like companies themselves that are offering the policies, right? Yeah, I, I mean, there is so much to do in insurance. It's uh, it's a much bigger industry than people really think. You know, a lot of people, they'll just see their, their State Farm agent, um, you know, driving around town and, and kind of think that's, you know, that guy works for State Farm or whatever. And, you know, that's all the insurance commercials on TV are really all that's out there. Um, you know, you could work in many different facets all the way up the the chain from an insurance agency and like a captive agent working for state farm um or you could be an independent agent uh and work for an independent agency that mm -hmm. has you know specific uh contracts that they negotiated with other carriers 
Um, you could work in many facets in those companies. You could work as a wholesaler like us, and you know we have different positions that we work into. I mean, we have some people that are actual underwriters that have appointments with certain carriers to underwrite on their behalf. Um, you know, you have obviously carriers with underwriters and marketing people and actuaries and um, just everybody that's involved in the development of an insurance policy and, and the rates and controlling a loss ratio and, and selling that product. But you also have to know that, you know, there's even insurance for insurance companies, which is which we call reinsurance. Right. Um, and they have to abide by those reinsurance treaties that they negotiate um, on their end. And then there's even reinsurance underwriters. There's reinsurance brokers. There's wow. reinsurance wholesalers. So there, there's a whole new environment and different landscapes of insurance um, all over the country. And, you know, it's a, it's a quite a bit more complex than people might think it is sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so... There's a, a a lot of the people that I've been talking with are, you know, either they're a small business owner or they're somebody who has to, you know, within where they're working, they have to build their own book of business. Um, is that yeah. is that this, a similar type of situation that you're in? So me personally, yeah, um, you know, I'm an independent broker. Uh, I've built my own book of business, uh, you know. 100% commission type of position where I go out and I market myself. I market mm. what I can do. You know, people per, you know, give me opportunities on pieces of business that they're looking to write. Um, and I help them write them. And, you know, we, we basically uh, share in the wealth, essentially. But yeah, I, I market myself uh, with the backing of, you know, obviously the largest independent wholesale broker in the country, which helps. Obviously, when you, you know, knock on somebody's door, or give them a call or shoot them an email and say, you know, I, I work for CRC, it's it's uh, it helps uh, with the brand recognition, um, but realistically, you know, I, I am my own little business. Essentially, I am the product. Um, right. And yeah. Okay. And how how have you gone about building your book of business? Well, um, just you, you just gotta be persistent. Uh, I guess the best word would be persistent. Uh, mm -hmm. That how I went about building a book, uh, because you know you don't get an opportunity on the first time you talk to everybody, you know, if, right. if you talk to one person and they gave you their best piece of business, the first time you ever spoke with them, this would be really easy and everybody <laughs> would be pretty rich. Right. 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 Um, so it's approaching it with a positive mindset, uh, and just being more and more persistent about it. Um, you know, there's an old sales saying, and not that my position is, is really sales-based. It's it's really more of a, an advisory position, um, to be honest. But, you know, it takes six to 11 touches on a, a prospective sale for them to agree to it, right? Mm -hmm. So I would have to potentially contact somebody six to 11 times before they send me one piece of business, which is somewhat accurate. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of the times when I first started doing it, you know, CRC has agency partners that we partner with, um, certain agency clusters that we partner with. So you approach those uh, clusters first and you try and, you know, take your easiest shots um, and find some of the easier business you can find. And then it's just being persistent and staying on top of it and doing it constantly. Um, what I've learned is when you get lazy on your marketing, uh, your business tends to suffer on the back end. So you could be super busy for two months and you're like, oh man, I'm killing it. I'm having a great first quarter. And then, you know, March comes around and the birds are chirping and you're like, oh man, like 
how am I, how am I going to hit my numbers this month? And that's because you didn't spend enough time in January and February marketing and getting the message out there. So just being persistent, being consistent, um, and not letting it wear you down, mm -hmm. having that positive attitude. So when you're marketing, are you, are you more so maintaining relationships or you're trying to make new sales so that eventually you'll be able to be doing that business in the next quarter or what? It's a mix. Um, and it depends on the client. Um, this is something that we're actually trying to, in our office especially, trying to focus a lot more on on 2023 is figuring out what our clients need, right? Mm -hmm. There's some clients that want to see us all the time and they want to hit the lunches and do the dinners and, you know, grab a drink um, at a happy hour after work and, and talk shop and get to know you. And then there's other clients that don't ever want to see you. Um, they'd rather you... <laughs> Uh, answer the email they sent you or pick yeah. up the phone when they call you um, right away, then, you know, they don't care about the dinners. They just mm -hmm. want to write business. They, they want to be there for their clients. So it's, it's identifying who needs what um, and then spending the time on the, the clients that need the attention mm -hmm. um, and, and like to do that type of stuff. And then also mixing in meetings on the new business side. So it's finding a balance uh, really of who needs the uh, the attentions and the dinners, who doesn't, and then getting in new opportunities um, as much as you can, really. And and apparently you're you're pretty good at that, right? Because didn't you just you know win win an award or or something like that? I don't. I, I saw you post something. Uh, so like in our in our industry, um, when you hit a million dollars in revenue, which I eclipsed in 2022 for the first time, it, it's kind of a big deal for an individual broker. Um, which basically means a million dollars in revenue typically equates around $10 million in premium. Um, okay. So I wrote about $10 million in premium last year um, and I grew my independent book 53% uh, wow. over my, yeah, my previous year's revenue. Um, so they did recognize me. It was a good accomplishment, uh, great accomplishment for my team and, and myself. So uh, you could say I'm, I'm decent at it. I got a lot to learn <laughs> and a lot to grow um, yeah, and hopefully course. in 2023 I can, and, grow it even further and keep attacking the business. And you have people that are working like for you on your, on your team or how does like the, you know, are, are you hiring people to work for you or, you know, what is that like? I, I do. Um, you know, I, I, I do. I have two assistants right now. Um, one, we, she just started in January. So she's fresh out of school and still learning, you know, what a wholesaler does, how we operate. Um, my other assistant's been with me for a little over a year, so he's starting to dig into a little bit more of the account management stuff, really digging into policy forms and, and how marketing and negotiating a deal goes into play for our job. But yeah, um, you know, they, they do assist me. They send out a lot of the quotes, they send out the binders, they, you know, set up renewals, um, just the, a lot of the administrative work that would simply bog me down and, and mm -hmm. not allow me to be in front of my clients and market their deals and negotiate their deals uh, efficiently. So, you know, CRC does give us the ability to build teams. And, you know, at least our idea in, in our office is to build, you know, the new hires up into potential brokers in okay. however long it takes, right? So uh, we have a long-term focus on building producers, um, and that's what we like to do. Um, sure, other offices might have different approaches, but anybody that we hire, we have a long-term goal of, of hopefully, if they want to, they don't have to, but uh, being a broker themselves. Got it. 
This episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast was brought to you by me, Will Ferrero. I'm an attorney at Prior Law in the Bronx. We primarily practice personal injury law, but we can help you with just about any legal issue that you may have. And if it's not something that we can personally help you with, we can connect you with an expert in that area of law. You can find me online on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. My handle is typically at Bronx Attorney. And if you can't find me on one of those social media pages, you can email me, Ferrero at PriorLaw.com, or call me at the office, 718-829-0222. And now back to the show. You know, a lot of the people that I've been talking with for the purposes of the podcast, they have either a small business or a small law firm, and, you know, they might just pick up the phone and, and call the first person you know, person that pops up about insurance and they say, Hey, I need insurance for my business. And they just get whatever. So if you want to be a little bit more diligent about, you know, getting, getting the right insurance for your small business or for your law firm, what, what should people be looking for when they're, when they're trying to find insurance? You know, that's really on a client per client basis. Uh, And, you know, insurance is one of those things where, it can either be required by a contract or, you know, it's really what you're able and willing to pay for because uh, you really do get what you pay for in insurance. So, you know, if you were starting a business, you know, it, I would highly recommend consulting with, you know, an experienced uh, insurance agent to do a risk management review of what, what you really need. Um, but most people are going to tell you that you obviously need a general liability policy if you have people that are coming into your office or, even employees in your office or just an office in general, um, you definitely need general liability and most likely some property coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, again, it depends on what you're doing. You know, like a law firm, obviously with a law firm, you need errors and emissions coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically a requirement for that type of service if you're rendering that, a professional service. Right, and that's like if I, if I commit malpractice and a client sues me, saying that I messed up their case, my errors and omissions policy will will cover that. Potentially, yeah. So, you know, there's obviously language within each individual policy form that would respond to an allegation. Now, Mm -hmm. depending on which policy you buy, there could be different terminology within that policy that, you know, the insured obviously needs to read and understand. Um, So when they are submitting a claim to their carrier, uh, they can be confident whether or not there there would be a, a coverage trigger within the allegation. So, you know, highly recommend reading your insurance policies. And if you don't understand them, um, I would highly recommend consulting with your your chosen agent to explain it to you mm-hmm. at, to a point where you understand, because it's very important to understand what you are and what you are not covered for and what can and could not potentially trigger a policy. Interesting. So how do you go about reading an insurance policy? Is there anything that you, you know, recommend people like specifically look for or, um, you know, that people need to be looking out for? Well, um, you know, if you're looking to take a nap, that is definitely (laughs) one thing to do. No, um, you know, you can you can find certain interests in, in insurance policies for sure. Um, now it depends again on, on what we're looking at. Now, if you wanted to speak specifically to, uh, you know, a law firm and an E&O policy, there, there is some specific areas where they should pay attention to and just make sure, again, they speak with their agent and they understand, 
um, what their policy is saying, because in the professional E&O realm, a lot of these policies have different wording and terminology, so it can be confusing. Um, it's not your standard general liability policies, which are generally the same. Um, a lot of these E&O policies will vary uh, depending on who the carrier is and what their appetite is and what their intent of coverage is. Um, but one thing that they really should look at and make sure that they fully understand is whether or not the policy is occurrence-based or if it's claims-made-based. So mm. those two things are very different. They're very important um, for your notice to your carrier for a claim. So uh, if it's an occurrence-based policy, that would mean that the trigger is when the occurrence happened. So uh, if something happened today, you know, you slipped and fell today, right, right on a GL policy, and you submit that to an insurance carrier, the policy that that was in effect at the time of the occurrence is the one that would potentially pay out that claim. Okay. On a claims made policy, um, the policy that's in effect at the time the claim is made is the policy that would potentially trigger to any allegation made mm. in the lawsuit. So if you rendered a service to one of your clients right. um, and Two years later, they say that you caused them a financial loss due to an mm. error and mission in your rendering uh, of a professional service as an attorney. The policy that is in effect at the time the claim is made against you is the policy that would then potentially trigger for the allegation. So that's very important, um, especially if you do have an E&O policy and it is claims made. You need to keep that policy in effect year over year because you can't just buy it for one year and then expect expect all your services that you rendered in that year to be covered forever because once you let that expire mm -hmm. there's no more coverage unless there's a policy in effect at the time the claim is made right so, so that's extremely important um for people to understand and when they're speaking to their agent and reading their policy they should really look into that and, and make sure they are fully in understanding of, of whether it's an occurrence based or if it's a claims made policy so if it's like a claims made policy and you and you retire, you got to keep your policy going, right? So that if somebody makes a claim, no. you're covered. No, you don't. Um, oh, you there, don't. There's a, okay. An option. It, there's an option in uh, an ENO policy. It's, it's called an extended reporting period. Mm. Now you know, depending on if you were to retire or just non-renew, you wanted to shut down the law firm. You know, we're going yeah. out of business. Or maybe you get purchased by a, a larger firm that then would give you insurance through their policy. Uh, you have the option, uh, if you were to non-renew your policy, to extend your reporting period uh, for a certain amount of time. Depending on the policy, some carriers only offer 12 months of extended reporting period. Um, some carriers you know, with underwriter approval will, will offer up to, to six years. Um, and I've even heard of certain carriers offering unlimited ERPs. Um, I'm not super mm. familiar with that, but. I've certainly heard some of my agents say that they were able to acquire them from some of their carriers. Um, but if you were to end an E&O policy at any point in time, non-renew it for whatever reason, I would highly recommend you consider an extended reporting period just to make sure if a claim were to be made against you after the end of that policy, there's still a potential that you would have some coverage and, and at least you know you, you get it into the carrier and, and see if there's any, any option there for you to get some, uh, some coverage. Got it. And so your clients are like the the insurance brokers, right? Yeah. So broker is basically a very uh, a term, term in insurance. 
Broder. Yeah, it's broad. So I'm a broker. You know, all the insurance agents are brokers. Um, okay. you know, everybody's a broker. So, so the more like consumer like, facing uh, agents or brokers are the people who become your clients, essentially. Yes, my clients are insurance agents. Yes. Okay. And so, like, how do you knowing that? How do you tailor your services to make sure that you know you're you're serving your you know ideal client in in the best uh, you know, possible way? Well, uh, in insurance and what we do, probably the number one most important thing is responsiveness and, mm. and accuracy. Um, being responsive for somebody and, and making sure that their questions get answered in a timely manner uh, is extremely important in anything you do, and especially insurance, because sometimes they're there can be things that take a long time and, you know, just having that response to say, listen, I've received this, I'm on it, I'm, I'm figuring it out for you. Um, and, and that's really the number one thing that people are looking for a lot of the times in, in addition to some expertise in certain areas. Um, but responsiveness and just being able to trust, uh, you know, your broker or your underwriter or whoever it may be that, um, you know, they're doing the right thing for you and they're working hard. Um, that's, that's really what people are looking for. Are there are there a lot of wholesalers out there? Do you have a lot of competition with, you know, trying to pick up clients? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of competition in the space. Uh, I mean, insurance is, has to be one of the most competitive uh, marketplaces and, and industries out there. Uh, you know, there's 5,100 employees in CRC alone. Mm. Um, so there's tons of brokers um, in CRC. The big top three um, commercial wholesale brokers really in the United States are CRC, AMWIMS, and, and RT, RT Specialty. Mm. Uh, those are the, the biggest ones. And now there, there's a ton, a ton of, of smaller shops um, under those, those big, big corporations. But yeah, there's just, a, and there's tens of thousands of retail agencies out there. And there is just so much competition in insurance and um, so much opportunity, really, I should say. Uh, because there, there's just a lot of availability and opportunity and, you know, that's why you got to stay in front and be consistent and persistent with your clients mm. to get opportunities. So like how, when you say persistent, like what are you doing to be persistent with, uh, with trying to get the business? I, I guess just, you know, like, like I said before, taking that six to 11 opportunities to try and get some business out of somebody before you give up. I mean, again, you never know. Uh, when somebody has uh, a change in, I, I, I'm trying to look, think of the right word, not like change of heart, but maybe a, a redirection in their business strategy on the retail side mm. um, to give you an opportunity. So uh, you just your, your best ability is availability and insurance, mm. to, be, to be honest. So being there and available um, and just kind of, you know, even if you don't get a lot of business, uh, it, Right off the bat, just keeping keeping persistent and not giving up on a on a pr prospective client right away is really what I mean. You know, it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you're really trying to build a long term relationship over the course of many years um, instead of expecting a lot right away. Uh, it's just building that relationship and that trust and um, over over a very long period of time. Are, are most of the policies yearly policies or do they, they fluctuate in length? So, yeah, I mean, 99% of the time we're writing an annual policy for 12 months. Um, you know, we can short term certain things or long term certain things if they need to. Um, mm. You know, a lot of the times you'll, you'll write something in the middle, you know, in June when 
somebody already has all their GL and their workers comp and their property and their employee benefits is all one one. So you might extend that long term for, you know, an 18 month policy. So it renews on on one one with the rest mm. of their deals. Got it makes it. it easier for budgeting. And just so, you know, the insurance agent doesn't have to go back to them and do another presentation in the middle of the year after they did one. Um, you know, at one one, just you know, just keeping out of the client's hair and just making things easier for everybody. But yeah, ninety nine percent of the time, it's it's annualized premiums. Do, do the do the consumer facing agents shop the insurance policies on like a yearly basis? I, that's up to them and and their marketing strategy. Um, mm. You know, we typically look at the market and um, what we expect on on the wholesale side. Now, you know. Can I say, do I know if my clients are shopping my policies every every term? I have no idea. Um, mm. You know, I don't lose a lot of them. So uh, even if they are shopping them, you know, it, it you, seems you're as doing though, pretty well. Right. Sure. Um, but that's totally up to them. They have the right and, you know, the ability to do that with their direct markets if they so please. Um, but again, that that all goes back to the relationship you might have built with them and the trust that they have in, in you as, as a broker. Mm. Um, yeah. A lot of it has to do with the market too. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't know much about, uh, and not too much about insurance policies and, and writing them. I typically get involved once somebody tells me they're they're not going to give my client the money that uh, we think that they deserve. <laughs> so, you know, this this yeah. has been a uh, in, informative di discussion about how you know how it gets started. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, it is it is a for profit business in the end of the day. So uh, yeah, they got to yeah, that's true. Better. Well, you know what? If they were, if they rolled over all the time, maybe I wouldn't have a job. So, you know, if they rolled all over all the time, there wouldn't be insurance companies that <laughs> <laughs> out there to pay claims. They they'd probably all just close the doors. That's true too. So you did you did a million dollars in revenue last year. Do you have any any goals for you know this year or the, uh, the upcoming you know five or ten years that you're thinking about? Well, um, you know, just. Right now, focusing on 2023, um, you know, backwards isn't in my DNA. So right. we're looking to grow. We're looking to attack the market in, in specific areas that we think we can be of assistance to our clients. Um, looking to get out back in front of my clients and, you know, do the do the lunch tours and, and start helping people out again. Uh, you know, we do have lofty goals again this year, double digit growth goals. So, uh, you know, again, we're looking to be aggressive. Um, in five years, man, uh, I'm probably going to be a lot grayer uh, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if that's a goal though, Matt. Well, you know, if, if I'm a lot, lot grayer, that means I wrote a lot of business. So um, <laughs> that, that certainly could be a goal for me. Uh, but, you know, in five years, just still sticking around, still uh, being able to produce that same high quality service to my clients uh, mm -hmm. and still continue to have a good, good, solid, strong reputation in the industry. And, um, you know, just, just keep helping people is really what the goal is. Is there is there any like uh, any any secret weapons that you have for making a sale? Is there any like special lunch spots or anything like that that you whip out when you, <laughs> you know, really got to uh, you know make make the sale? No, nah, you know I'm not like I'm not making the sale. To be totally honest with you, um, you know my my clients are the ones that are the customer facing individuals, and I just provide the tools and the mm -hmm. ammunition for them to, to assist them in in providing the service that they need to provide. Um, but you know, it's not a secret. It, this this industry is not a secret. It's just being 
consistent in providing a high quality service to your clients. And, that, and that's really all you need to do. Um, now that gets more and more difficult the longer you do this and you know the more business you write it it's, it gets more and more difficult the more volume you have um, but building a team that has that same similar mindset of providing the absolute best service and response time and accuracy you can um, mm -hmm. is really the the best advice I could give anybody and if that's the secret you know then that's the secret I don't think it's much <laughs> of a secret but that's that's really what the whole goal is in in our whole industry. Yeah, you, you have any plans on growing your team at all? Well, that just depends on how big we can build the book. So you know, the as you need additional people as as the book gets bigger, uh, you mm -hmm. need some more help. Um, and you know, we look we look at that as the as the years go on. So you know, you look back at what you did and what you what you're pro, um, projecting for the next year, um, and you kind of take that one step at a time. We're always looking for new talent in the insurance industry. Uh, I would highly recommend any younger people out there that might catch this, that might still be in college, mm -hmm. to look into, you know, if your school's offering a risk management program, um, to look into it. It's a lot more interesting than what it seems, you know, it, it seems dry and dusty and what old people do, but I can tell you right now that the average age for an insurance agent in the country is 65 years old. Um, no way. The average age, yeah, it's, it's a very old industry. Wow. Um, and the average age for an insurance broker for what I do is 55. Um, so within the next decade, there's going to be a serious turnover in the insurance industry to the younger generation. And uh, we're certainly looking for young, hungry talent that mm -hmm. wants to get involved. And um, there's a lot of really smart kids out there. Um, that are spending way too much time on TikTok. <laughs> you know, should I, I I did take an insurance law class in law school, but those cases were about like uh, like the the surgeon that had the the policy, and then he you know chops his thumb off on purpose with the hatchet in the uh, at the oh. state house. You know, I think we call that fraud. It's certainly fraud. Yeah, that's what the, that's what the case <laughs> law said. <laughs> he did uh, not get covered yeah, by the right. insurance. There you, there you go. That's funny. That's funny. So you got any uh, any more? nuggets of insurance wisdom before we wrap up today um not off the top of my head i mean again the most important thing for somebody in a in a buying position is to to make sure you fully understand the language uh these mm -hmm. policies are written by lawyers um so if you're a business owner and, and you're going to spend a lot of money on insurance policy it might not even be a bad idea to contact your local attorney um to just make sure that you understand what it's saying uh, because you know you don't have to be an attorney to sell insurance mm -hmm. and sometimes it's better to get a second opinion um, before you purchase something to again make sure that you're fully fully aware of what you're buying got it got it yeah and then you know for in my opinion what i think people should do is when they when they ask their agents to get something make sure you specifically put in writing what you're what you want that way, you know, if there's any mistakes, you got your uh, you got your butt covered a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know, you're gonna find it hard pressed to get a lot of insurance people to put, you know, claim <laughs> scenarios in writing um, because you know every claim is very different and it's it's subject to the review of a, a claims professional at the insurance carrier. Right. Um, you know, the best we can do is provide the intent and at least our opinion on what the language intends to mean. Um, so th that's about as far as you're gonna get an insurance person to tell you. <laughs> All right. So, you know, do you uh, 
if if an agent's trying to uh, shop some policies and they want to reach out to somebody on the wholesaler side, how do they find you? Uh, yeah, so if you're an insurance agent and, and you're looking to do business um, with CRC Group, specifically me, uh, you can you can get me at my email. It's just Matt Patterson at crcgroup.com. And you can find my LinkedIn too. Um, you know, my, my name on there is Matthew Patterson. There's probably a lot of them, but I'm in the, the Philadelphia area. Um, so you can find me that way as well. Got it. Nice talking to you, buddy. Till next time. Yeah, you too, man. Yeah, good luck with everything. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. Please like, review, and subscribe so we can help the channel continue to grow. And if you're interested in connecting with any of the guests, please let me know, and I'd be happy to make the introduction.